Welcome to ABC, CNN, The Guardian, New York Times, Washington Post, and the rest of the mainstream media. The war in Ukraine is going wonderfully. Our LGBTQ-friendly soldiers will clearly win because we have sanctioned Vladimir Putin, stolen his black belts, and even the Russian cats are now sanctioned. They are meowing for mercy. Uh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's the wrong network. This is False Flag Weekly News. Uh, Kevin Barrett here with Kat McGuire questioning everything you hear, especially the nonsense coming out of the mainstream media. How are you doing, Kat? I'm doing really good. Okay. Yeah, there's so much news. I, I can't really keep up with this. Uh, the breaking news is breaking so fast that it's uh, everything's broken. Um, <laughs> like this morning, the first thing I saw when I turned on my computer was Roger Stone said that Jared, Jared Kushner needs a beating and a death threat, and he wasn't <laughs> joking when he said that. Now, I don't agree with everything that Roger Stone says, but and I better leave it there. Okay, where were we? <clears throat> okay, uh, so we question everything here at False Flag Weekly News. And we do issue warnings about how disturbing we are. And here's one of them. And uh, what's the next slide? Uh, oh, yeah, we are not medical or mental health professionals. So visit one of those if you have problems along those lines. And uh, take everything we say with a grain of salt and or a cup of pine needle tea, which is what Kat prescribed for me and cured my COVID. And that was Delta COVID. That was bad COVID last July. So um, I'm eternally grateful to your alternative healing advice, Kat. But uh okay. I'm not telling everybody else to start drinking pine needle tea if you catch COVID. That's up to you and your doctor or psychiatrist. So anyway, <laughs> where were we? Oh, yeah. So uh, so Putin's black belt has been stripped, and he says, come and take it. You want to strip my black belt off me? Come here and try and take it. And so far, they haven't. Um, Kat, <laughs> can you make this stuff up? Oh, my God. It's getting crazier and crazier. Nope. <laughs> you know, Putin really is a judo expert. Uh, judo and whatever the other one was, Taekwondo or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, he's using the aggression and weight of the much bigger, stronger, bloated, heavier opponent against the opponent. That's what you do in judo. And he's doing it really well, isn't he? <laughs> That's a very good point that he is parlaying his own practice into his um um, governmental political strategy. Yeah. And, and he, and he's above and beyond them. They don't even know it. And he's literally kicking them in the butt. And, and the bigger the lies in the Western mainstream media, the more it's all going to fall flat when the truth starts to leak out. You know, they never seem to learn that lesson, do they? Oh, well, let's get going with the stories then this week. What do we have? Um, well, let's see. So we're going to help you earn a black belt in self-defense against propaganda by looking at stories like here's more breaking news. Um, false flag Boston bombing Patsy Izokar Sonev uh, is going to be murdered um, by the state. And, you know, Kat, when I look at this, and this is even more obvious than 9-11, because right after this bombing happened, the FBI put out photos showing two Kraft International paramilitary operatives with backpacks clearly holding the pressure cookers that the FBI said blew up. The FBI showed us the remnants of those blown up backpacks with the insignia on them, same insignia on the ones that were being carried by the Kraft International operatives. And the same photos of the Sarnayev brothers clearly showed that the little black backpacks they were could not possibly have held the pressure cookers. So it's like they're gaslighting us or something. Oh, yeah. Well, those, that poor guy, that poor kid, he was uh, set up from the beginning. His attorney is the prominent death penalty attorney, Judy Clark. Um, she was brought in by the head public defender. Judy Clark um, sold Ted Kaczynski down the river because um, he almost uh, tried to commit suicide to escape her strategy, which she basically deployed on um, uh, Doc. Oh, I don't know his name. Ted Tazernoff. Um, Kaczynski was not interested in the life in, life sentence in prison if it meant the insanity defense, which to him humiliated his philosophical writings because it reduced him to a sickie. And he but, obviously wasn't insane in any way, shape or form. Right. But, but Clark, um, she just wanted to have him diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic so that he'd get life. She saved his life at the expense of his dignity. His dignity mattered more than his life. And since he was furious and remains so to this day and uh, Sarnov's family 
um, was angry with uh, Judy Clark because she did the same thing. See, I saved his life. I'm your death penalty attorney. Meanwhile, she didn't abide by what the family wanted to um, have done with the, the kid and basically sold him down the river too. Um, but I guess she wasn't all that successful because now the death penalty is coming back again to kick that poor kid in the butt. He, he's totally innocent, 100% innocent. Well, Judy Clark is obviously a go-to deep state uh, operator pretending to be a defense lawyer. Uh, what a joke that is. I mean, boy, uh, you, you just can't, you know, when you think the lies are uh, just beyond what we've ever seen before, then a new one gets piled onto the mix like this. So uh, in in some actual sanity coming out of the mainstream media, uh, this is a real uh, man bites dog story here. Uh, oh, no, sorry. That's not the same story. What is the same story? The same story was the uh, the one that I sent in early this morning that apparently didn't make the lineup, which was the Daily Mail. There it is. The Daily Mail uh, featuring this neocon, Bill Roggio, who works for the PNAC uh, FUD, uh, Foundation for Defense of Democracies, which used to be PNAC. And then David Ray Griffin exposed the new Pearl Harbor in PNAC. So they had to change their name. They changed it to FDD, Foundation for Defense of Democracies. And one of their operatives, Bill Roggio, is admitting that no, Putin is not crazy. The Russian invasion is not failing. Um, and that's kind of cuts against the grain of virtually all of the hysteria that they've been trumpeting for the last whatever it's been, week and a half. Or, uh, so, so even the neocons are admitting this now, Ken. Right. I'm surprised he would um, go against the um, prevailing propaganda that they're supposed to be putting out. I'm wondering if they're going to have his head. But what they're doing with Putin is um, what they did with Trump. Um, he's he's crazy. And the 26th Amendment, we have to get him out because they have no other strategy. And, but what we're seeing then is another um Trump, well, well, Trump, Trump might be crazy, Kat. Uh, but uh, well, but what we're seeing on the side of people calling him crazy is um, full-blown case, again, of Trump derangement syndrome redux. Only now it's Putin derangement syndrome. And they're going into apoplectic hysteria that Putin is a Hitler. And... Um, who knows what they're going to reap from that? Because um, I believe they were able to take four years of Trump derangement syndrome and parlay that into uh, um, COVID derangement syndrome. You get people, you you, you scramble people's brains like that, um, and it's kind of hard for um, the average person to walk back from. And they're doing it with Putin now because they have no other strategy. So they just, oh, he's crazy. Um, it, it's such a lame, mediocre uh, counter propaganda argument to um, being bested by a superior force, which is uh, Putin and Russia. So the, speaking of apoplectic hysteria, how about Lindsey Graham? He apparently got so excited watching the Zelensky gay porn video that he couldn't control himself. And uh, he started ranting about how we're going to kill Putin. We're going to kill Putin. Um Lindsey Graham is a real piece of work. I mean, you know, he, I think he was immune to just Jeffrey Epstein because Epstein used little girls and Lindsey likes even littler boys, according to the rumors. Uh, but he's a, he's such a tough guy. He wants to go kill Putin. Well, Lindsey, why don't you go challenge Putin to a, a, a judo match to the death? And let's see how that comes out. Yeah. What's, um, um, so unfortunate is that. At least um, during Trump, it was pretty much all Democrats and the Republicans were a little more subdued. Now it's full-blown bipartisan hysteria. So uh, the people running this show, which we're going to see from Terry Mason, um, they, they really have been able to corral both sides um, with a full court press. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So let's uh, move on to where do you find antidotes to all of the mainstream media nonsense? How about Veterans Today, which has made itself relevant again? I'm glad I stuck with VT through this uh, crazy COVID period where the editors and I had a few little minor disagreements. And for details on that, watch my video interview with Gordon Duff. Uh, so in in uh, this particular sl shot, screenshot was what, yesterday or the day before or something? But there is a this constant stream of interesting alternative material on Ukraine at Veterans Today. So, you know, the purpose of Veterans Today has been sort of pushed back from within the military and intel communities against the 9-11 perps. And now it's back to its original purpose because the neocons behind this Ukraine war are the 9-11 perps. Well, it's so hard to do decent research this, these days because, um, Everybody's kind of more bubbled up, if you will. They are in their own bubbles, um, and it's hard to find alternative data. But um, 
so you have to really vet who you go to. And um, even that's hard to do because of the bubbles. Oh, that, yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. And uh, this, let's see, the next story, well, actually, that's today, in today's VT, uh, these are stories that we couldn't report on. Uh, we had uh, two really important ones. Um, one of them is Nikolai Azarov, the former Ukrainian prime minister, has leaked information that uh, Russia thwarted a NATO uh, war on uh, the Donbass. And then the other big story was that it seems that the Azov Brigade, which is the so-called uh, Nazis, it's kind of an insult to Nazis to call them that, uh, blew up uh, a building and killed 200 civilians that they'd herded into the basement, uh, planning to blame that on the Russians. So those are two of the highlights from today's VT coverage. So uh, here's one from a few days ago. Uh, and this is something we haven't seen in the mainstream much. Zelensky is being hailed as such a hero for opening up his prisons so all of the criminals could go fight the Russians. Well, guess what? They're fighting each other and they're fighting ordinary people, carjackings, uh, robberies, murders. So it's uh, it's chaos in Ukraine and it's not exactly the Russians doing it. Well, you know, they're um, really hurting when they have to uh, free convicted convicts to fight their war. And then against... hand the military grade weapons. I mean, what what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, it takes a criminal to free a criminal. And um, what's really bad is um, right now they're having like gang warfare sort of going on. The shootings are gang related, settling scores. Um, they're not really going against Russian soldiers. And also now um, because they have all these weapons, they're doing the robberies, rape, looting, actually even roaming apartments at night to rob them. So outright chaos has been created. The Zelensky regime is utterly evil to do this to his own people. So whether he unleashes the actual Nazi or neo-Nazis that are there or the criminals, um, his poor people are really taking a beating. And these uh, these Ukro-Nazis and uh, the criminal armies are using ordinary Ukrainians as human shields, and they're not allowing people to flee. They've right. drafted every male up to age 62 or something, and uh, some of them are being summarily executed if they try to escape. So these are really not very nice people, and yet the mainstream media is celebrating them uh, day after day after day. Well, the truth behind this whole thing, I think, a uh, big part of it is revealed in this article by Thierry Maison, who was a French uh, instigator of the 9-11 truth movement early on. Uh, and here he is telling us about Russia declaring war on the neocons. And the neocons, of course, are the number one suspects in the 9-11 false flag. So interestingly, uh, Maison cites Putin's speech saying that he is fighting back against, quote-unquote, those who aspire to world domination. And we all know who that is, the a new American century, right? Uh, the, the people who say we must crush any other country that tries to rise to a level where it could be anything but subjugated to a dominant U.S. unipolar power. And by U.S., what we really mean is Zionist U.S. So this is a really good article. It isn't quite, I think it doesn't go quite far enough talking about the Zionist connections of the neocons. It doesn't go quite far enough talking about 9-11, but it still uh, gets the big picture right. I thought it was a superb article because it really gets to the nut of it, of who is really uh, not just controlling the Ukraine war, but the Straussians, which is a euphemism for you-know-who, um, are really doing a world domination control. And bravo to Putin for calling them on it, not that he is not in concert with them on some level, but... Um, at least um, um, we see who's really doing this. Um, unfortunately, it is hidden behind euphemisms, uh, Straussian, Zionism. They're all euphemisms. Um, and it's also uh, fascinating that what we're seeing is another transfer agreement, basically, that, that whole alliance between um, um, Jews and Nazis. That's what's happening right there in the Zelensky government. So, duh, um, we're reliving World War II all over again in little mini chapters of it until we um, until we um, expose this um, ugly beast and uh, take it out. Well, I agree that Zionists and Nazis are pretty much two sides of the same coin. I'm not sure, though, that neocon is synonymous with either Zionist or much less Jew. Uh, neocon, it's, the neocons have a particular philosophy, the Straussian philosophy, 
And let's say a, a true a Zionist who really truly believed in Zionism unconditionally and was like a patriotic Zionist could not be a Straussian because the Straussians are the ultimate cynics. Um, so there's there's a whole sort of Machiavellian uh, ultra cynical philosophy behind the Straussians that you don't find necessarily you only find in a tiny minority of Jews and a modest minority of of high level Zionists even. So it's it's more specific than that, but. Um, I do think that obviously the neocons have thrown in their lot with Zionism as well as with the U.S. empire. Or if they, whatever they feel like doing though, they'll, they'll do because they believe there's no God. There's no such thing as good or evil. So we're all free to do any darn thing we want. And we might as well be as evil as possible on the inside while looking good to everybody else on the outside. That's really the kernel of their philosophy. And it leads them to be absolute opportunity, basically psychopaths. So they are right. people who've come to psychopathy through philosophy. Um, the very noble nasty. lie. Yeah, they and they they take it further. You know, Plato actually believed that the lie could be noble. Uh, for the Zionists, or the, rather the neocons, the lie is just used to manipulate people in a psychopathic manner, and you don't even care whether it's noble, ignoble, or something in between. You know, they're they're, they're really a piece of work. So uh, Edward Curtin has seen through this. The next slide is his latest article about the U.S. and NATO being in the grip of a demonic death wish, and he celebrates. Uh, Oliver Stone's Putin interviews, which I urge everybody to watch. There's also a great documentary on the history of Ukraine that uses those. Um, and Edward Curtin says that the mainstream media is obviously still under control of the CIA's Operation Mockingbird. Well, it sure looks that way, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I like his quote that they're um, a damn bunch driven by unquenchable, uh, un unquenchable demons. And that this is what happens when a bunch of ragged hyenas, jackals, and tiny rodents poke the bear. So um, what's being called as Russia's unprovoked attack on Ukraine is, um, is um, maybe a little too literal because they have been um, provoking. They've been provoking in the um, extreme, and I think um, they're trying to hide it. And they're projecting the complete opposite. What they're doing is what they project on their enemies. And so I think um, Putin is doing a very good job of just coming head on and uh, taking the bull by the horns. Um, but, you know, if, it, if, if we're creating, the West really can't counter the military might that Russia has right now. So they're trying to do it in a propaganda war. And it's, it's just so lame that they're even having to trot out pictures from our old wars, um, our, our old atrocities to put forward as if it was Russia. But if they don't win in this, uh, this bogus information war, um, I could see these crazies um, in NATO and, and the White House uh, really making it be about nukes. And uh, we're back to mutually assured destruction again. And Edward Curtin warns us about that in this very eloquent article. He's, he's definitely one of our best writers uh, in the alternative media. And another of our very best writers in the alternative media is Lynn Din. And he's published a bunch of good things on Ukraine recently. And this one was called titled uh, Putin the Formidable. He quotes uh, Graham Siebert, who's a friend of Lynn's who lives in Ukraine. He's an American exile who's been there in Kiev for 15 years. And then he also co quotes another uh, Westerner in Kiev, Coach Red Pill. And we're getting very contradictory reports from these people in Kiev. Uh, and Lynn's writing is always entertaining and worth reading. Lynn, of course, is, is skeptical of the, uh, the pro-NATO slant that he gets at one point from Graham Siebert. But bottom line here is that like Edward Curtin, Lindin is somebody that you want to keep reading at a time like this, not only for the informational content, but also because they're just really good writers stylistically. They're, they're fun to read. Yeah. Um, by and large, I think um, I, I, I support Putin in this. I support Russia because obviously um, we have uh, said we're not going to uh, go into your uh, sphere of influence. And um, after the um, Berlin Wall came down, we made that promise. And then we're right within spitting distance. So I think Russia has a total right to take the bull by the horns. And they've tried diplomatically over and over again. Putin has um, tried to have uh, diplomacy. 
And um, so I support him um, going in, and especially because the way he's waging the war is not leaving destruction in its wake like um, the West has done over and over everywhere we've gone. Um, I believe, according to um, what um, in Lynn's article he's saying, is that um, he's taking control, but without, like Uncle Sam, leaving ruins in its wake. That said, though, um, it's not like I'm a Putin lover. Let us remember that Putin was one of World Economic Forum's young global leaders. And these are the traitors who've gone into every country. Trudeau, um, the, the woman in uh, New Zealand, uh, Tony Blair, all of these people have gotten their PhD in how to oppress we the people through the World Economic Forum's um, post-grad work on um, how to be um, uh, psychopathic global leaders. And also, let's bear in mind that um, Spurbank, which is Russia's state bank, has become even beyond banking. It's become like an Amazon. And um, uh, they are very much um, into the coming central bank digital currency system. Russia is all in on much of the Great Reset, um, including vaccines. And um, they I, I don't know if I would um, necessarily totally trust them. I, I think they're all um, part of uh, at the highest level. They're all um, involved and they're just kind of having internecine wars right now. And once they get this little internecine war out of there, then together they're going to come back and hit us with vaccine, more vaccines or more pandemics because Putin was right on board with that. So, yeah, I support Putin. But let us remember they're all uh, globalist psychopaths at the very top. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound like you're supporting Putin too much. Anyway, I do think that the uh, Russian central bank and the economic policies may change a bit in the Davos crowd that's been basically a kind of a fifth column in the Russian central bank and elsewhere in Russia is getting purged now. So maybe that will change. That doesn't mean, though, that Russia will become uh, a paradise by any means. Um, and I think under wartime conditions, freedom well, there, always gets destroyed. Mm -hmm. I'd just like to say there are obviously different levels. And at the level we're at right now, where the West is going after Russia, I'm 100% in support of Russia on this. Mm -hmm. But we take it a higher level, and huh, it's um, they're all in it together. Yeah. And well, they all have to play the chess game by by the rules and those rules determine what moves they can make. And there are a very, very limited number of ethically uh, acceptable moves, if any, that somebody in that kind of position can make. So I think we have to be realistic about that. Well, uh, somebody else who is not entirely on board with the mainstream media vilification of Putin is Bernie Sanders and I guess his his friend AOC. But, of course, they have to drop lots of obligatory uh, Putin insults and do some Putin bashing as they make these good points about how the U.S. is being hypocritical by calling out what Russia is doing in Ukraine after the U.S. has done vastly worse in so many other places and, and pointing out that these other places are not even important for American national security the way Ukraine is for Russia. Uh, Bernie Sanders says, does anyone really believe that the United States would not have done something if, for example, Mexico was to form a military alliance with a U.S. adversary? Well, that's that's actually not a good comparison. If Mexico or Canada had its government overthrown by an implacable U.S. adversary and a radical Nazi-style U.S.-hating government was installed on the American border with plans to bring it into an anti-U.S. alliance and put first-strike missiles 30 seconds from D.C. on the American border. Obviously, the U.S. wouldn't tolerate that any more than Russia tolerated what was happening in Ukraine. Right. Um, the thing that struck me the most is like, oh, my gosh. We have a left that's now back at doing some form of anti-war. I guess because this is not one of the 9-11 wars for Israel, they can uh, reach back into their uh, memory hole and see that this is about um, anti-war and uh, anti-nukes. Um, there was some very good information in this article um, that I didn't know. In the four days leading up to the invasion, ceasefire monitors um, documented a dangerous increase in uh, ceasefire violations in eastern Ukraine. We knew that was happening, but there were like over 5,000 violations and over 4,000 explosions. And the U.S. claimed that, oh, they were just false flags by the separatists. Um, but that no, seems... been, that shelling has been going on for eight years. 
Well, this this was saying in the four days leading up to the invasion, we had that many more. I mean, that was that's quite a concentration of more. That's what I didn't know, the the incredible concentration in the mere four days leading up to it. Um, and then the U.S. saying that it's just false flags. So um, it, it just seems so much more likely it was um, Ukraine. And um, um, I just really appreciated that the left uh, not taking um, – um, verbatim at face value what our government's saying because they've been doing this all along. They're finally coming out and finding an anti-war uh, backbone because they see that the U.S. is just trying to externalize the cost of the Cold War to the Ukrainian people. And the Europeans are also going to have to pay the price in terms of um, high, greater gas costs and the refugees that are going to start coming into Europe. So um, thank God the left is back, but uh, don't count on it for much longer. Well, the anti-war left may not be quite dead, uh, but uh, I'm not sure it's vibrantly alive either. Uh, we'll see. But over in China, uh, there's a whole different mindset. In, in this article from uh, Defend Democracy Press, uh, we see that the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson Li Jian Zhao uh, tweeted about the Democracy World Tour, reminding us about all of these countries, almost all very far away from the United States, that have been bombed uh, by the United States in various wars of aggression and uh, comparing that to what's going on in Russia. And then the Chinese Internet, the New York Times tells us in the next slide, is pretty almost 100 uh, percent pro-Putin, pro-Russia, pro-war. They call him Putin the Great. Uh, they, the best legacy of the former Soviet Union, the greatest strategist of the century, uh, and on and on and on. And a translation of Putin's speech uh, into Chinese, that is the, the uh, Empire of Lies speech, um, went viral on the Chinese Internet and got over 1.1 billion views in 24 hours. That's got to be a world record for social media. So the Chinese have a very different view of this than what we're seeing in Western media. Um, well, I love that um, slide that you showed that um, it shows how much um, the U.S. has been actually warring. And let's remember that the U.S. has over 800 military, about 800 military bases around the world. And when I ask people, well, how many do you think Russia has? And they're like, oh, probably, you know, a thousand. No, Russia has about 13 and China has one um, in Djibouti, which is uh, kind of an interesting place. But then we know China is going into Africa a lot. But what's interesting is that it seems like there's kind of a good cop, bad cop uh, sort of thing. The people get to be the good cop. The government's the bad cop. So the, pe the government, um, which is highly censorious of their Internet, is letting the people express the true uh, thoughts probably of the government itself. But we then see the government have to kowtow to the U.S. in that um, they have limited uh, banks from financing the purchase of raw material for Russia, supposedly out of concern for the U.S. sanctions. So uh, they also abstained from a vote at the United Nations on a resol re uh, resolution condemning uh, Russia's aggression against the Ukraine. So the government is having to uh, sort of play ball with uh, the hegemonic power, the U.S., but they're letting the people say their true sentiments. Well, it's interesting how uh, yeah, in China, Putin's the hero and Zelensky's the villain, exact opposite of the Western media. Um, and here in the West, as we see in the next slide, uh, we're hearing, especially from the Jewish media, about how Zelensky is a modern Maccabee. Maccabees were these fanatical Jews who resisted the empire, uh, the empires of the day. Uh, and uh, so that, that's that's very interesting. He's being lionized in all these different ways, including by the Jewish media. We're hearing, as a Jew, it's impossible not to feel proud of the courage, dignity, and defiance shown by Zelensky at this moment, says Molly Crabapple. I didn't know Crabapple was a Jewish name. Anyway, but then in the next slide, we get a slightly different view of Zelensky. He used to do gay erotica videos. Uh, so this is the video that sent Lindsey Graham over the edge. Um, so, Kat, what do you think about Zelensky? Is he a, a hero and a modern Maccabee, or is he just a porn drag queen uh, playing the role of president? Well, he's acting like um, they, there's so much resistance that he's leading. Um, let's remember that um, the um, Jewish billionaires who really control the Ukraine, they all fled the country. They got the the word um, sort of like it, it, the uh, Odigo um, thing during four, uh, 9 11, they got the word that the war was starting. Um, the billionaires left, 
and um, they left the people just to fight for themselves. Uh, so, so much for glorious Jewish uh, resistance fighters. Um, and Zelensky is a, he's, he's a, a snake. He, he just oozes corruption. The, the gall, the chutzpah to portray um, on TV a politician who is cleaning up the corruption when he is just steeped in corruption. Um, I, they're, they're gaslighting us and they're enjoying, they're cackling with duper's delight. Yeah. Well, um, two things. One, Zelensky is supposed, with all the millions that have been stolen through the um, billionaires, Zelensky supposedly bought a, a villa in Miami for $34 million. Yeah. Um, And I loved how Lyndon said that uh, he has a um, uh, 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 he, he enjoys coke, cocaine. But what we're not seeing is wither Hunter Biden. Almost none of these articles talk about the the epitome of the corruption, which is um, the whole role Hunter Biden and, and Biden himself, through his bagman son, played in the Ukraine. Well, Terry, Terry Mason did sort of mention that obliquely by pointing out that Biden, he, he himself is not a neocon, but he's very tight with these neocons who have destroyed Ukraine. And uh, and of course, he's in bed with them business wise through Hunter. And yeah, that's something that also we probably aren't going to see so much at Veterans Today, which is doing a great job in so many ways. But I haven't seen VT really go after Biden the way Biden deserves to be gone after. But who knows? Maybe that's coming. Um, Anyway, the, the hypocrisy of this well, coverage. Yes. Of, yeah. The fact that um, Hunter Biden is actually being um, um, reviewed right now in um, uh, in court. He, he's really the charges are coming forward. So there's like zero connection at all. And nothing is being said about him in the least. And um, I believe that he was probably very tight with Zelensky, that Zelensky had to be um, a part of the whole um, Hunter Biden thing. So the level of corruption is just over the top and it's not even being um, spoken on. And yes, Terry Mason did talk about Hunter, but that was there's almost nothing. And it's the, the direct, obvious connection that needs to be made. It is funny how. Uh, we hear we're hearing about Trump is about to be indicted for this and that, but we never we never hear about Hunter. That's funny. Uh, just like before the election, we never heard about that Hunter laptop story. Uh, I wonder, you know, it got banned, uh, literally banned from social media. Wow. So the hypocrisy and double standards are off the charts. And speaking of hypocrisy and double standards, how about meanwhile in Yemen, the U.S. is supporting or maybe even urging uh, this new Saudi escalation where they are bombing civilians twice as hard as they were bombing them yesterday. And in the next slide, uh, we have my uh, response on Press TV pointing out that four, almost 400,000 civilians have been murdered by the Saudis using American weapons and American targeting and so on in Yemen. Uh, but nobody seems to care. Is that because they aren't white? Um, that's a question I pose. I'm not necessarily making an assertion that that's the only reason that all of these liberal anti-racists have no seemingly no real problem with uh, murdering 400,000 brown people in Yemen, but they go off, uh, they go, they, they howl like hyenas, uh, when a handful of white people are dying in the Ukraine. Are these anti-racists really as anti-racist as they like to pretend? Right. They really cherry pick um, where they see their human rights. The U.N. issued a resolution against Russia, but not a single resolution against uh, Saudi has been issued in the eight years that Saudi's bombarding the Yemeni people. And then just recently um, um, in the prior article, it's saying how um, the U.N. rights, human rights body uh, just gave up. Um, they they just dissolved monitoring Yemen. And since then, the civilian death toll has almost doubled. And so there's this uh, 100% complete double standard that um, you, you, they have no way of explaining because their minds are so scrambled with this woke stuff and just buying the or orthodoxy as opposed to thinking for themselves and assessing um, what is actually happening. Um, and, and it's also interesting why uh, they can't see people of color being the uh, victims in a war that um, our side that they support is um, so directly involved. But then when you look at the Ukraine, democracy for Ukraine, how do they, all these woke people justify supporting neo-Nazis? I mean, what kind of mind pretzels do you have to go through to um, support neo-Nazis and then not support um, people of color, uh, everything that they supposedly stand for, anti, uh, um, Antifa and then, you know, anti-fascist and then the whole um, um, uh, critical race theory. Well, as, as I said on the radio show last night, the 
you know, back in the day, the uh, American, I forget whether it was James Baker, you know, he, he said, well, sure, you know, this Noriega, the dictator in Panama, is a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. And so these guys now are saying, well, sure, these guys are Nazis, but there are Nazis. Exactly. <laughs> Just like with Operation Paperclip after World War II. Oh, boy. Uh, well, there is some pushback, but the pushback can't keep up with the insanity. We're still pushing back against COVID, and now the mainstream's telling us to forget COVID. Oh, that COVID? What, what's that? Uh, but the convoy is in D.C., or on the outskirts of D.C. anyway. It, it went from Adelanto, California, on February 23rd, and now now it's in uh, Maryland, right outside of D.C. And, uh, Kat, what's, what's the latest on this people's convoy pushing back against the unfreedom from COVID, even at the very moment that the whole mainstream is telling us, oh, forget COVID. We're relaxing and dropping all these requirements. Uh, focus on hating Putin. Exactly. So our convoy, the U.S. convoy compared to the Canadian one has uh, gone completely under the radar, but there are thousands of people who are definitely out there, um, Today, um, after two weeks, they are now in Hagerstown, Maryland, where they want to stay safe. Um, they're not going into Washington, D.C. Right now, Washington, D.C. has been putting up fences. They have 700 National Guards. The NYPD was even brought down because supposedly there's not enough Capitol Police power. Well, um, why would they need that? Um, they, they had none uh, for BLM, but... Um, for the truckers, they, they're putting up fences and bringing in the NYPD. Um, so who knows about that? But what this uh, wonderful convoy is doing is allowing American people to come out at the overpasses, at the rallies across the country and supporting, um, basically, um, it, it was um, for a long time resistance to mandates. But since it is a changing climate, they're trying to subvert that. Um, it's accountability. Accountability is a big um, uh, password. Um, and um, emergency powers, stop these emergency powers and we just want our rights. So um, even though the war took the sails out of the convoy, just as the 9-11 um, um, took the sails out of the 2000 election movement, people are showing up. It's, it's, a, it's another silent majority. I never thought I would be on the side of a silent majority, but we are the majority and we're not going to be silent much longer. And one thing that we shouldn't be silent about is the fact that COVID is a bioweapon and very likely unleashed in a U.S. biological attack on China and Iran, as the Ron Unzi book uh, explains in great detail. Uh, and as my video with Ron that is now, I think, pushing like 80,000 views or something like that uh, gets into in like 20 minutes. So here's the latest on that front. Um, there's a study from Frontiers in Virology uh, arguing that there's a one in three trillion chance that this Moderna um, patent uh, from three years before COVID could have just reappeared naturally as COVID. Uh, so that's a smoking gun, right? One in three, three trillion. But according to this news story, other experts are describing this as just a quirky coincidence rather than a smoking gun. So it's just a one in three trillion quirky coincidence. Now that is seriously quirky. I mean, you know, if something happens that either is a conspiracy or it's a one in three trillion quirky coincidence, you have to be a really quirky coincidence theorist to say it's a coincidence, don't you? Yeah, mind pretzels. They are caught red-handed but cannot process that. And let's remember that Dr. David Martin claims there are patents, um, uh, dozens of patents that on COVID that go back as early as 2000. I wish Trump had only insisted that the virus was from bats, then the lab leak would have been revealed months ago. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Fern cleavage site uh, was called a smoking gun by the world's top expert, like the day after its genome was sequenced or something. And this has all been assiduously covered up. So once that leaks out, maybe the convoy to D.C. will get a lot bigger, and maybe it'll go after the germ warfare labs. Um, in any case, though, Again, it's hard to keep up with the lies coming at us. They keep changing the subject. Uh, it's COVID one day, Putin the next day. And uh, Tessa Lena had a really good article on that this week. Uh, the narratives there are changing with this uh, highlighting the Saturday Night Live skit, basically making fun of the fact that the whole COVID thing with the masking and the distancing and stuff has been completely insane. Well, we've been noticing that it was insane for two years, but apparently Saturday Night Live just decided to notice it last week. People really have to watch that Saturday Night Live series because this is what we're going to be facing. They're glib blacks, glib backsliding. Um, 
when you put that side by side against the cruelty and pain that their ideas have inflicted on thousands of people is just it feels like a double dose of gaslighting, even worse. Um, I wouldn't even put it past all of these people to even memory hole that COVID and the pandemic happened. What are you talking about? That didn't happen. We're all fine now. Th- that level. COVID? Of- what was COVID? There's no such thing as COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could see it going there. When you watch the Saturday Night Live thing, it's like, oh, my God. It, they, they could memory hole the whole thing. Yeah, and they, the they were calling thing. us COVID deniers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, right. Man. Yeah, you, you can't make this stuff up. Anyway, the Saturday Night Live routine is is very much worth watching. Um, I, I I think they might be laughing harder with the duper's delight than just at the jokes, but that's just my suspicion. Anyway, so the next question then is who let the dogs out? Yeah, the who maybe did let the COVID dogs out, and they want to consolidate power with their new who pandemic treaty. And I'm skeptical about this treaty, but I'm also skeptical about some of this reporting you sent, Cat. Like this story is a little, a uh, little vague. And then the next story, Dr. Peter Bregan talking about the globalist elites launching their plan to make Tedros and the WHO all powerful. Tedros is going to be the global dictator. Well, where are the details to support that? And, uh, it's, it's being, this, this article tells us that the WHO is being positioned to be the dominant governing body in the world and that Tedros is a Marxist stooge for the Chinese Communist Party. So it's all a big Chinese plot to take over the world. I don't think so. Um, well, I was, um, disappointed. I do believe that WHO is, um, being, um, um, positioned. Because what easier way than to use health? They've already done it with COVID to, to use a health organization to centralize control of people. But it is absolutely um, ridiculous that it's the Chinese because we know after uh, Trump went through the theatrics of taking U.S. money out of who, all he did was pave the way for Bill Gates to become their new landlord. Um, and now they're uh, gearing up to be super Medicare for everyone. But... Um, uh, the prior article, um, I, what I did do is go to the, um, that, that's just sort of a, an overview. I went to the actual, um, details of what um, they're planning to do. And, um, uh, they're going to, um, set up the normalization of pandemics as if it's a perfectly logical from here on out to expect a, a world laden with pandemics. And they're going, the key phrase yeah. that they're doing is, um, a public private partnership for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. And so this is what they do. Um, the public pays for it, and then private interests not only feed at the trough, but um, they get to dictate the terms with zero accountability. So even though right now it didn't look like there are a lot of details, there actually are. They are being made. And um, we know it's not Tedros, who's his Dick Cheney, who's really going to be backing him up. He certainly doesn't have the talent. But I I absolutely can see the World Health Organization doing it. And this treaty is coming together just because this particular article didn't have all the details. Um, they have uh, they are putting together the policies and operational um, um, plans. It, it's happening. I can certainly see them doing that. Like, OK, we have to totally surveil everybody on Earth. And that way, if we get this next big pandemic, which, of course, we will, then we'll be in a position to contact trace and stop the pandemic in its tracks. So we have to surveil you 24-7, 365, that sort of thing. I I, I wouldn't put it past them at all. So I'm, I'm not that skeptical. But I, I'm more skeptical about the next story. OK, this is the uh, Pfizer side effects data story. And uh, yes, OK, so there are, the Pfizer side effects data shows nine pages worth of side effects. Um, during a three-month period, but the person putting out this tweet or whatever it was uh, got something very, very wrong, which is that in this tracking of side effects, okay, this person is saying that there were 1,223 people died out of uh, 42,000 being injected, and that's absolutely wrong. It was actually, they looked at uh, 119 million people vaccinated with Pfizer. Out of 119 million people, there were 42,000 that had side effects. And of those, 1,223 died. So a little over 1,000 out of 119 million died. But the person who posted this told us that 1,000 out of 42,000 died or, you know, one in 37 or something like that. Um, and so that's like really badly wrong. And, and people should you know, shouldn't be putting out stuff that's that wrong. 
Um, okay, um, that could be true, but I ask you if um, you don't agree that um, Pfizer was forced to release um, what in essence is nine pages of uh, side effects. And uh, they were going to wait 75 years to do that until 2085, and they were forced to release this. And these side effects are really quite shocking. Nine pages of it that includes things like um, biopsy liver abnormal, brain stem embolism, catheter site thrombosis, cardiac failure acute. I mean, it's just a huge long list. Do you feel that uh, that list of side effects is fake? No, it's very, it's very suspicious, and there's there are all sorts of reasons why we need uh, a serious investigations of the possibility that these vaccines have harmed a lot more people than they've told us. That's true, uh, but I think this particular article though didn't do it very well. Like it doesn't, it didn't even link to anything or show any real evidence that uh, that Pfizer needed, you know, had had tried to keep that hidden for however many years. It didn't, you know, so so it didn't support any of these arguments. There were a lot of bald assertions in in kind of uh, reckless and, and in some cases, confusing language. So I just think it was a very good article. But, yeah, the basic issue that there are, two, there are all these side effects and uh, we need to start looking at the hard data showing that there could be a serious problem here. That part I'm totally in agreement with. And I'm also in agreement with uh, RFK Jr. and uh, the Children's Health Defense and I'm horrified by the New York Times. This was the New York Times uh, hit piece. I think we missed this slide last week about this hit piece. So let's go through the reactions to the hit piece we had in the next slide. Uh, this was Edward Curtin, I think, uh, responding to the disgraceful uh, hit piece. Or, um, and, uh, and, and then in the one, this is my email, by the way, to the author of the hippies. The hippies, basically, the guy went around and talked to RFK's juniors relatives and found any of them that he could find that would, uh, that would, disagree with him and then said basically, oh, this crazy guy, all his relatives hate him. He must be crazy. Hmm, that's a good way to adjudicate scientific arguments. So I emailed the author of the New York Times hit piece and said, asked for the phone numbers and addresses of all of his relatives so I could go out and uh, see what they think of him, especially his ex-wife. <laughs> and so the next, uh, next slide, we have the Children's Health Defense uh, call for pushback, in which I participated in. Um, Kat, uh, are they going to ever give up vilifying RFK Jr.? Like in the New York Times front page had Putin, the evil guy right here, and then RFK Jr. right there. Like Dr. Evil and then the junior Mr. Evil. Uh, we're supposed to hate both these guys, and I don't, especially not RFK Jr. I think RFK Jr. is one of the heroes of our day right now. I highly look up to him, and um, I, I especially like um, who he is as a person. He's playing out these terrible um, accusations against him with dignity. I think he's a role model model for how families can act because all of our, fa my family has a split. My brother isn't talking to me over this. And I think he's just a very strong person because he has faith. He's um, a very centered human being in the face of this mass psychosis. And it's because he has a connection to a greater authority. Um, I particularly hated how they implied he was suckled on conspiracy theories growing up. And then they had, they had to continue to trot out that the, lo the lone gunman and yeah, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald and Sirhan Sirhan did it all by themselves. And anybody who disagrees right. is a crazy conspiracy. I mean, that's pathetic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so the they had hominems and character assassination are truly over the top. But the best revenge is his book is um, selling like, like hotcakes and they can't. It's dare, over a million. Yeah, they can't dare link to it or say its name. But um, the Samizdat is uh, making brisk sales of it. So the Samizdat is still alive and well. You're watching it right now uh, on False Fly Weekly News. And in the next slide, you'll see some more Samizdat. That is American Free Press, the last free newspaper in America. So I just published this piece. Now, I don't agree that we have to forget about COVID because uh, Putin is so much more evil. Let's just focus on Putin. However, I do agree that nuclear war is a much more dangerous threat than COVID ever was. You know, with the Omicron variant now, even the New York Times is basically telling us that a like a vaccinated 68 or 70 year old or something is now at about a one in 2000 mortality risk if they catch COVID. So one in 2000, that's, that's actually way less than if they catch the flu. Uh, so 
COVID's numbers aren't looking so terrible these days. And of course, that's why we're all forgetting that. Nuclear war is so much worse, though. Nuclear war, uh, the experts tell us there's about a uh, 1% chance a year. It ranges from 0.3% to up to 3% in the worst moments. And we're probably higher than that now in the worst of ever moments. And so that means that there's about a uh, one in, in 33 chance or, or worse that just this coming year, pretty much we either all die or those of us who don't die wish that we had. I mean, the, the horror of this would be just off the charts. So if you're going to worry about something, you, you should be worrying about nuclear war and figuring out how to stop it because we can stop it. It's under our control. Stuff like COVID, not so much. Nothing really worked very well against COVID. But if we took down the psychopaths in power, we could end the threat of nuclear war. So let's do it. Yeah. Um, well, I agree with you. Nuclear war is the ultimate that could just wipe us all out. But think of the, the, the poor public and the psychology back in the easy days of the 1950s. That's all it was, was nuclear war. Now we've got nuclear war and we've got a pandemic and we have EMFs and 5Gs. We're just getting it's like it. all the horsemen. It's like those. Was it five horsemen? Yeah. <laughs> the, the four horsemen. Four horsemen. Yeah, five yeah. horsemen was Notre Dame with Newt Rockner. I can't read, I can't keep my horsemen straight, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the psychological toll on people today is just over the top. So nuclear, COVID, uh, pox on all of it, and we're going to go down anyway. People have just like really given up um, hope and spirit. And, and that's what I really love about the freedom movement because they haven't. We're keeping hope and spirit alive and we're fighting. So we just have to keep going. Yeah, Otherwise, just. Yeah. Otherwise, just everybody just suicide yourself right now. Well, I'm going to keep pushing back. In fact, this week I was pushing back against the the, the chat fuckers. I mean, the, the fact checkers. Uh, these chat fucker, fact chat checker, chat fact checkers came to Veterans Today and corrected my terrible pronunciation. And they also uh, they basically, uh, well, I got grilled by this fact checker journalist who uh, her name is Melissa Golden uh, of NewsGuard. And she asked me, uh, is VT Veterans Today, is VT anti-Semitic? Is VT pro-Russian? Does VT vet its articles? Does it correct misinformation? And could I please supply an example of an article that had misinformation that I went and corrected? So she's basically going to do a hit piece saying VT is a terrible publication because it's pro-Russian, anti-Semitic, and it never corrects itself. So I went out and found a, a new Lindin article that I could uh, correct. And so I had fun correcting it uh, satirically. And if you... Uh, if you want to find out what I did, read the article. Well, Kevin, I don't think you make the best Winston Smith. I think we should leave this important fact-checking work to the pros, the AI bots. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the AI bots actually do seem to be doing most of the censorship these days, which uh, leaves us scratching our heads sometimes about the decisions they make. But anyway, uh, this Melissa Golden, I don't think she's an AI bot, but she's uh, she, she's off. I, I, my email correspondence with her is, is pretty bizarre. I don't know if I'll ever end up publishing that or not. But moving on uh, to uh, Meanwhile in Canada. No, Meanwhile, Lyndon, where are we here? Canada. Meanwhile in Canada. Um, they're going to charge you with intent to commit hate speech. How does that work? Uh, I guess there'll be a hate speech pre-crime bureau, like in Minority Report. And they'll have these telepathic children, you know, in a vat who will see that in the future you're going to commit a hate crime or by engaging in hate speech, like on Twitter, like three days from now or three weeks or three months or three years from now, you're going to tweet something that somebody is going to call hate speech. So they're going to come and arrest you to make sure that the hate speech tweet never gets tweeted. Boy, uh, this sounds like a, a brilliant plan, Kat. This will sure improve the world. Uh, yeah, this uh, pre-crime snitching. Um, Facebook um, has already been toying with synthetic telepathy, whereby you can um, have the computer type your thoughts and they claim it's not invasive. They will only type the thoughts that you have about what's before your screen. Uh, yeah, right. Um, what would be more powerful than AI spider bot tracking your entire life? Uh, let, let open up that door and God knows they're going to worm their way through your brain until you have no privacy or original thoughts left. Now, these Canadian hate police are just unbelievable. You know, I, I don't know if I told you, Kat, about that talk I gave in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, several years ago. And uh, I, I took a break in the middle of the talk. And then these people, three people approached me, pulled out their badges and introduced themselves as members of the hate squad of the Edmonton Police Department. And, uh, and they said, but don't worry, uh, we 
we, we enjoyed your talk and we didn't see uh, any any hate speech in your talk. So we're actually going back to the station to have our donuts or whatever. <laughs> well, thank you. I've, I've been certified hate free by the hate police squad of, in Edmonton. <laughs> but still having them having three cops show up at my speech to see if it was it was hate speech was very strange. Um, I don't know what's wrong with these Canadians. I, you know, and they were very polite. I mean, I, I suppose if, if they had to arrest me and drag me off to jail for saying something that they thought was hate speech, they would have done it very politely. But somehow, uh, this strikes me as just insane. Yeah. What can you say about hate speech? <laughs> hate, hate squads and hate police. So how about, uh, the speaking of, uh, minority report pre-crime, just think, Kat, if they had been able to use precognition to figure out who was going to stage an insurrection at the Capitol in advance of January 6th, we never would have had all this big problem. So in, instead, because we don't have enough pre-crime, uh, we had an insurrection and they arrested all these people. You know, some of them maybe attacked cops, but a whole lot of them apparently are being charged basically with, with trespassing disorderly type stuff just for going into the Capitol when they got waved in by police or had no reason to think that it was that illegal. And so here we have Brendan Strucka of Walkaway uh, uh, telling the conservative press that they need to start covering these people whose lives are being destroyed uh, simply because they walked into the Capitol. Um, well, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, Brenda never did walk. Uh, Brenda never did uh, walk into the Capitol, and neither did I. And they came after him, not even having entered the building. All he did was take eight minutes of video, uh, far away from any kind of violence. He didn't even know violence was happening. Um, well, what they, are they charging with? <laughs> they're charging him with um, uh, bogus misdemeanors. People are getting charged with trespassing and parading. I think they got char he got charged with, um, he, he said, hold the line. And he didn't even know there was violence. He said, hold the line because he saw what he claimed was almost like a Woodstock sort of party um, of people clapping and cheering and singing. He said, hold the line. Let's keep going. And they're claiming that he was saying, hold the line to the violence. So it was sort of like stoking violence as an, an influencer. But there are people who are sitting in jail for over a year. And um, it, it, it's, it, it is really terrible. People's lives are being torn apart. His was, um, he's been banned now from PayPal, Venmo, donation sites, banned from email services. He has three years probation, a $5,000 fine. You know, when you think of the double standards with BLM and Antifa, what they got away with, but they the FBI SWAT team came at his home at dawn, cuffed and jailed him in a concrete cell. I, for nothing more than what I was doing. I was there, but he was an influencer. But um, well, hopefully you didn't a, say hold the line. Um, yes, I have. I say it a lot. Um, no, <laughs> but isn't that people, illegal to say hold the line? Um, well, I guess if you're an influencer, but people um, are being charged. He, he's being charged with a nonviolent misdemeanor. Uh, crime and many other people are too. They're put on a terrorist watch list. He knows of um, um, a man whose family of five people were rounded up and taken away and his children and spouse have not seen him for over a year. There are hundreds of people sitting in jail right now who are having terrible times. Just um, they're political prisoners and they're being completely ignored. So um, I even spoke to one of the men in, in jail because I am involved with people who do this work, make direct connections. They're, they're languishing in jail on misdemeanors, nonviolent misdemeanors. This is an American uh, Guantanamo, that really, that's happening. They're all political prisoners. Well, that's because uh, these insurrectionists are the new Muslims. Um, and so that's that is pretty sad. And, and a lot of those people obviously uh, don't deserve what they're getting. Well, I do, wait, I do have to make a correction. Um, um, he was charged with two felonies and one misdemeanor, but I can't imagine what the felonies for when he didn't even go into the Capitol. So I, I should look at that again, but I just wanted to make a correction. Well, that doesn't surprise me given focus. the overcharging in general in our criminal justice system. In this case, I imagine that the overcharging was way off the charts. Um, yes. And, and so... You know, a lot of these people would argue that their uh, freedom of speech rights, their freedom to protest and demonstrate uh, is obviously being crushed and uh, massively infringed here. Uh, they thought they were participating in a peaceful demonstration and they went into Congress. Even the ones who went into the building didn't realize that it was uh, a violent insurrection. Um, 
But how, how about it? the next uh, infringement of freedom of speech here on our list is the Alabama guy who is uh, being threatened with what are they going to do? Take away his, his car, or his registration or something. If he doesn't send back his license plate that says uh, LGBFJB. Um, so let's go, Brandon and F Joe Biden, I guess, is the translation of that. And so his argument is, hey, if you can identify as an LGBTQXYZ, why can't you identify as an LB, LGBFJB? Uh, and I think that's a good question. Right, exactly. I think people are so dumbed down anymore, they wouldn't even know what uh, those acronyms are for. Um, It's really gotten bad when license plates are thought crimes. (laughs) Indeed. And and, and it's funny how that the code is going so viral. Just like if I saw this on the highway, I probably wouldn't recognize it as anything. But somebody in the Alabama DMV apparently did. So there Um, you are, folks. If we had pre-crime, the guy never would have been able to apply for that license plate. They would have arrested him before he even thought of it. Exactly. Um, Just a little anecdote, the FJB that um, he had. Um, There's a picture from, you know, years ago of John Lennon with his Rolls Royce. His license plate is FJB. Really? And so yeah. that's not that's not Photoshop. That's that's the real John. I don't Lennon. think so. I kind of vetted. Ah, oh, this is clearly Photoshop, but I I, I vetted around, and it, I don't think it is. So well, we'll 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 get the check fucker, uh, the fuck fact checkers on that right away. <laughs> okay, moving on to the Zionist entity. The Israeli ambassador to Moscow was summoned to explain Tel Aviv's position on the Ukraine conflict. Uh, Alexander Ben Zvi. Uh, was summoned by Russia's Deputy Foreign Minister Mikhail Bogdanov, who reportedly asked Ben Zavi uh, why Tel Aviv was expressing support for the Nazis in Ukraine. So that's a good question. The Zionist state founded, and it, it wouldn't even exist today if uh, Hitler hadn't come to power, started, been gotten involved, and been scapegoated for this huge war and been demonized over the Holocaust. That's the whole reason that Israel exists. And now Israel seems to be quite friendly with the Nazis in Ukraine. What's that about? That's what the Russians are asking. Um, well, I think um, what in part it's about is um, Russia is allowing um, Israel to bomb Damascus. So yeah. um, and Israel doesn't want to poke that bear too much. But um, um, they've asked Israel bluntly, uh, why are um, you supporting Ukrainian Nazis? And the Israelis say there are Nazis. Well, no, they said the quote unquote, we're only supporting Nazis a little bit. Oh, there you go. Was that an actual quote? Yes. We're only and then, supporting Nazis a little bit? Yes, that was oh, their man. quote. And then they have the chutzpah to um, call the invasion in Ukraine a grave violation of the international order. Oh, boy. Yeah, they should know about grave violations of the international order, uh, like yeah. uh, the genocide of Palestine. Speaking of genocides and Holocaust, uh, the Holocaust Museum, it turns out, is almost entirely funded by a Russian oligarch. And this Holocaust Museum, Yad Vashem, is now stepping in to stop the planned sanctions against the Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich, who apparently is he's it's his deep pockets that have created this Holocaust Museum. And now they want to sanction him. But the Holocaust Museum says don't sanction. So who, who's going to win here, the sanctions guys or the Holocaust Museum? I'm sure the Holocaust Museum. We have to look at who's at the top of the um, Bankster Pyramid. And uh, it, it's certainly not. Uh, <laughs> it, it's whoever has the Holocaust Museum. It's not going to be uh, anyone else. Um, sanctions for thee, but not for me. So that was a good investment when he put all that money into that Holocaust Museum. It bought him immunity from pretty much everything for the rest of his life. Wow. Maybe I should give some money to the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> I have been thinking of starting a Muslim Holocaust Museum, actually, to publicize the work of Gijin Palya. So if there are any Russian billionaire oligarchs who would like to donate some money to start a Muslim Holocaust Museum uh, dedicated to telling the truth about the post-9-11 Holocaust of somewhere pushing up towards 30 million Muslims, according to Gideon Palia's methodology, uh, feel free to uh, get in touch with me and you know send me some cash or Bitcoin or whatever, and we'll see what we can do for that. Anyway, moving on to the woke news. Uh, <laughs> this is the, I mentioned this earlier. The U.S. Army will certainly be able to save Ukraine from the evil Russians now that it is totally woke. They just put through this whole mandatory training program on gender pronouns and coaching officers how to offer service members gender reassignment surgery. 
Uh, and so they're going through all of the hypotheticals, like if a soldier who was assigned uh, male at birth says he now identifies as a female, but he only lives as a female during his off-duty hours and is not requesting to be treated as a female while on duty, you have to yeah, go along with it. And on and on and on, this long list of hypotheticals. So with an army that woke, I'm sure the Russians must be trembling in their proverbial boots. Um, well, you really have to take it higher and wonder, qui bono, for what purpose would you do something so psychotic as to dissemble um, your, in, your, your military psychologically? And uh, it, it's it's the breakdown of America. That's uh, that's what's happening right now, and this is a form of it worming its way through into our military to completely demoralize and destabilize it um, psychologically, um, so that um, uh, other forces. I think those forces have moved on to uh, China. Actually, um, they're in Russia as well, but uh, China is um, becoming is I think is going to be the the new. Uh, global superpower um, and um, the people who are doing this to our military and to our whole country have moved over there now. That's where they're making their inroads. Well, if our transgender military can't handle Russia, then we do have a secret weapon, Cat. We're going to sanction Putin's black belt and take it away from him, and that'll win the war. And if that doesn't work, we have one secret weapon in reserve, which is sanctioning Russian cats. That's right. <laughs> now, meow! That's really going to hurt. Uh, the International Feline Federation has weighed in on the Ukraine crisis by banning Russian-owned cats from competing in its shows. Well, if that doesn't turn the tide of the war, I don't know what will. Yeah, I I'm speechless. It it it's gotten so petty, I, I can't even imagine. I I'm trying to imagine where else would they take it that would be even funnier than cats. And You, you can't even imagine the level of stupidity. I, I, I don't think I want to imagine uh, the next thing that's coming down the pipe because it's it's all... So mind-boggling that uh, my mind, I think, has been fully boggled. I don't think I can take any more boggling. So anyway, uh, if anybody wants to violate the sanctions on cats by helping Muse the Cat uh, get some cat food, you can always contribute to our False Flag Weekly News fundraiser. Well, thank you so much, Cat McGuire, uh, another noble cat. Keep up the great work. Uh, I love what you're doing, and I, I do look forward to doing this, this show with you next month. And maybe, we, maybe we'll do some other stuff, too, but it's all top secret for now. So uh, <laughs> see you next time. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. Bye.